which woman are you, is based on Proverbs 14.1. Now, all the men can leave if they like. But usually when I talk about that, when I talk directly from the Bible to the ladies, it'd be a good idea the men get a grip on it. Same thing when I talk directly to the men from the Bible. The ladies would want to know about it. You read the whole Bible. It's all for edification and for help. And whatever I say here tonight will be right from the book. No matter what this crazy world wants to say, uh, the only thing, the only words that will be left are the Bible. Your soul and the Bible are the only two eternal things in the room. And you have a never-dying soul. Whether you're saved or whether you're lost, you've been made in the image of God. And one of the characteristics of being made in the image of God is you're going to live forever somewhere. And so you determine where uh, by your decision around Jesus and what you do with him. And it'll be a shocker for those people. I, I remember going, I remember one guy I worked with, uh, he, his uh, wife's daddy was, was uh, lost. And his wife asked me in tears if I would go to him and for one last shot, tell them about Jesus. And you've probably done this, preacher. That's a very difficult environment to be in. Number one, he didn't want me to be there. Number one, he was insulted. Secondly, he was insulted. And so I said, well, I'll do it. So I went to him, and he had lung cancer, was uh, emaciated and going to die soon. And so I went to him, and I said, uh, your, your daughter wants me to come to you to talk about Jesus, and Looks like you're going to be dying soon. He said, yeah, I will be. But he said, I don't want you to say anything. Let me tell you something. And he says, when you die, you die like a dog. He said, you go in the ground, they bury you, and you're never heard of, seen of, or thought of again, and you don't even know you exist like before you were born. And I said, I just want to know, out of all respect, due respect, where do you get your information? He said, That's, I just know it. I said, well, where'd you get the information? I just know it. I said, well, you know, I get my information about life after death from the Bible, an ancient book that's been followed by millions and millions of people and been attacked by the world every way you can attack a book, and it still stands today better than it ever did before. But I say, he said, well, I don't believe any of that. He says, but I bet what a shocker it is for those people when they wake up on the other side and say, I'm not supposed to be here. This isn't happening. Uh, I've been in some automobile accidents that were radical, radical automobile accidents. Been on the scene. Watch it happen. And you get out there, and it's, it's a mess. And, you know, people's head in the glass and just all kinds of crazy stuff. And people will be that are conscious will say, is this real? Is this happening? This can't be happening. It can't be. It's a shock. It can't be happening. And I think you're going to hear this going to be said a lot on the other side. You don't want to say that. Because you know already what's right and wrong, amen? You can follow. And so what we say here from the pulpit, if it rubs the cat the wrong way, it rubs the cat the wrong way, but we just tell you what the Bible says. Thus saith the Lord. Tonight, of course, is a very benevolent sermon. Which women, which woman are you? Um, you either tend to be one or the other. According to the book, and it gives two options here. You either build your house up, as a married woman, or you tear it down. Proverbs 14.1, I hope you turn to that. 
Every wise woman buildeth her house. And it, but the foolish woman, if I may add that in there, plucketh it down with her hands. There's two types of women, according to the book here, in this passage. There's a wise woman and a foolish woman. The word foolish means it comes from the base of being a moron. Moronos. And so, consequently, you either are, as a woman, as a married woman, especially, and if you're not married, you will, and you may be in the future, um, but nevertheless, even, even if you're not married, never going to get married, you're still around people, and you're either an up spiral to them, or you're a down spiral. I've, I've done enough marriages to tell you that there's not much static in a marriage. There's not much static time. Either you're going up, or you're going down, but you're not holding your own. I know we love that holding your own thing. It's, it's trying to be, if I put you out in the ocean without a life jacket, you try to hold your own, see how you do. After a while, down you go. You can only hold your own so long. Consequently, you're in either an up spiral or a down spiral. There's divorce on our right hand and on our left. The 50-somethings, an area you wouldn't think would be true, but in the 50-somethings, a divorce is huge. Uh, menopause, hormone change, energy change, along with that attitude change. Really, when women go through their menopause time, they find out why their spouses married them. Did they marry them? just because of the physical, if they did, they'll leave you for a younger one when you begin to go downhill over, over the other side of the hill. But if it was genuine, they're going to stick with you all the way home. But no matter what you look like, no matter, what you, no matter how bad off you get, I've seen it. You've seen it. I'm thinking of the name over at Community Baptist uh, the guy that stuck with this woman so long, Smith, Mr. Smith. I didn't even know his first name. And right now, I didn't even know his last name. Mr. Smith, what example of a man who loved his woman like God told us to love our women? Uh, Jim Till. Some of you know Jim. Jim what a, she got, I remember when, when, her, I remember when uh, Jim Till's woman came in here, she had managed a, at a hospital a bunch of nurses Real intelligent woman, highly re responsible woman. She got where she didn't know who he was, where she'd just leave the house. She couldn't clean herself, couldn't bathe herself, couldn't do anything. He took care of her. I don't think she ever went to a nursing home. I think he took care of her all the way to death. I'm thinking it was around 10 years. Maybe, maybe Marilyn knows better on the years. Seemed like 10 years. It was massive. Now, as a young man looking at those old boys going through that, you know, when we men marry a lot of times, I'll be honest with you, it's a little shallow. Of course, I'm talking about you. But, I mean, sometimes we're pretty shallow, you know. It's a hair and, a, and But I think as you are married and as you as a Christian, you grow. And, and your value system, because you begin to read the Bible. And he began to say, well, now, wait a minute. This thing ain't all about blue eyes and, you know, blonde hair or blue eyes and a particular look. 
bigger than that. I want to talk to you tonight about what the Bible has to say about the foolish woman versus the virtuous woman. Which are you? The foolish woman. First, I'm going to give you about seven things that I noticed about um, the foolish woman. Next, two weeks from now, will be the virtuous woman. First of all, she plucketh her house down with her own hands. I can't tell you how many marriages, and you've seen them, that if they worked as hard to save the marriage as they working to destroy it, they'd make it. If you would, if you would compliment instead of complain, you say, I don't have nothing to compliment her about. Well, she probably don't have a whole lot to say good about you either. But you can't stay there, right? You ought to get up in the morning and say something positive to your wife. I mean, you ought to get up in the morning and do uh, Zig Ziglar. Zig Ziglar, you say, get up in the morning and do the first thing you do, make it some positive act. I liked Zig. I liked him. I learned a lot from Zig. And I try, I'd get up in the morning and say, Kathy, you're beautiful. <laughs> she grunts and says, let me sleep. But then said, no, she doesn't. The foolish woman, it seems like, is bound and determined to pluck their house down. They like got their heart set on it. Now, they'll say they're not. They'll say they're just getting a bad hand, you know. They're just being dealt a bad hand or things ain't, or he's this or he's that. And it's always, let me say this. How many people in this world can you control? You only can control yourself. You can complain about me, you can complain about Dr. Crabb, uh, uh, and you can complain about Dr. Gillespie, you can complain about him, but you can't control us. Or every other person outside of you is outside of your control, really. And so the only person you can control is you. So the complaining and the griping about the other person is the down spiral. It is the tearing down of the house because you know an atmosphere, an atmosphere of negativity is not an atmosphere you want to live in. You don't want to live in a griping, complaining uh, atmosphere. You don't want to be around a group of people. All they're doing is meh, 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 meh. When I go to a restaurant, I want to hear you say good things. Now, yeah, I don't like that, but yeah, what do you like? Say what you do like. Man, that was great service, or the Coca-Cola had fizz in it. <laughs> Steak was cold, but nevertheless... The word plucketh means just what do you know it means. It means to pull down in pieces, to break, to destroy, to beat down, to throw down, to pull down, to ruin. Those are all synonyms of what it means is she plucketh her house down with her own hands. Number one, a characteristic of a foolish woman is she's contentious. Glory to God, that's a good point. She is just contentious. Yeah, I thought Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, not the contentious. It's easy to be contentious. You know, it's easy to fight. Fighting is not something we have to learn to do. Fighting comes just as natural 
as, as breathing to us. But by there being a peacemaker, that takes God. I think if you start asking for being, oh, help me. The foolish woman don't ask to be a peacemaker. She likes to fight and actually gets enjoyment out of the contention. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. She gets enjoyment out of it. She'd rather fight than breathe. It is so bad that the poor soul, the man that's married to her, would rather live outside in the weather. You say, you're making it up being mean to a woman. I'm not. Take your Bible. Proverbs 21.9. It says, it better dwell in a corner of a housetop than with a brawling woman in a big old wide house. I'd rather live in 200 square feet by myself than I would in, in 20,000 square feet of marble and granite with a brawling woman. That's what that's saying. It'd be better, to, it'd be better to be homeless outside under the trees looking at the stars at night. That's how bad it is. Number two, we're going right along here. She'll drive you crazy. She'll make you hate life. She'll make you lose your sanity. She'll make you, it's a continual dropping. You heard, already preached on that. A, the, a foolish woman, the contention's always there. It's always repeating itself. Always, always, always. Number three, she talks way too much and lives way too little like God wants her to live. Her speech is sweet as a honeycomb maybe, but war is in her heart. Psalm 120, verse 7 says, I'm for peace, but when I speak, they're for war. Take your Bible to the passage I always go to. I always go to in marriage counseling. A lot of times women will come in by themselves. They'll want to have a counsel. I usually counsel with a woman one time with a camera, secretary down the way. And after that, I recommend them to a, a woman, a godly woman in the church to go to them. Uh, I, I tell her when I counsel, do not reveal to me intimate things. I don't want to. I don't want to have to. You can't forget stuff, so I don't want to have. Don't tell me anything. I, I it's gonna make me look different at you. If possible, First Peter. I always go to First Peter chapter three, verse one through six. Let me read quickly. Likewise, you wives, be subject to your own husbands. But if you obey not the word, they also may be one. Without the word, in other words, the word of God. They, they, if they obey not the word, the word of God, they also may be without the word of God, be won by the conversation of the wives. He's basically saying, you're not going to win your husband by quoting much scripture to him all the time. If God, the Holy Spirit moves you, do it, you do it. But by, but by living it, living it, man, have I seen this work? I have seen First Peter chapter three literally. You people have too seen it work. I mean, I've heard some marriages described to me that I would have killed the guy long time ago if I'd have been her. But she was filled with the Holy Ghost and followed the Word of God, and eventually the old boy got saved. I mean, man, even for me, it's like, what in the world? Girl, I just want to shake her hand and say, I'm not even going to be allowed in the part of heaven you live in. Wow. Said verse 4, but let it be the hidden man of the heart, not externalities. Let it be the hidden man of the heart, not corruptible ornament of meek and quiet spirit, which is the sight of God a great price. Now, not every one of you girls is normally meek or naturally meek. Some of you are 
A-plus personality, A-plus plus personality, A-plus plus plus personalities. And I know for you, man, that's a challenge. This, this verse right here takes you, grabs you by the hair. Say, well, that's not who I am. Well, I think the Word of God is written for every born-again believer. God knows your personality. That just makes a miracle bigger, amen? Walking across the Red Sea on dry ground, that's big. I think God can do that. He can take care of you. He'll help you. But it said, for after this manner, the old-time holy women also trusted in God, adoring themselves, being subject to their own husband. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, and that was a tough road to hoe, whose daughters ye are, as long as you do well, and be not afraid with any amazement. You will win a whole lot more battles in marriage with godly living than arguing and fighting for your rights. Man, you got to die to your rights. I've seen it over and over again. I'm thinking of Bernice Snodruff. I'm going back now. Bernice Snodruff was McKinney's sister. She had a husband that was as mean as a junkyard dog. I'd have terminated him way early. I mean, that old boy was just dog mean. She told me time after time, when I go home tonight after church, he's going to beat me. Now, how many of you women would stick with the man that beat you? Oh, don't tell me. I hear women tell me all the time, I'll put up with anything, but if he hits me, I'm gone. Find that in the Bible. Find it! The devil hears that. He says, all I got to do is get him to hit her, and she's gone. Piece of cake. I'm not putting up any of that kind of stuff. I want to live, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. My husband beats me to death. I'm sticking with him. That's holy women of old. See, you're used to fe feminism has even crept in the church. The, the, the philosophy of rights and feminism has crept in the, the church contradicting the word of God. No wonder the church is struggling with divorces. How about Irene Woodard? Irene Woodard. Oh, Don Woodard, oh, when I knew him and you knew him, he was a happy man. He was a happy fella. He was an animal, but he was a happy fella, a lot of energy. But he would bring women home to the house while she was there. How many of you would have stuck with a guy like that? She stuck with him, prayed for him. About 60 years old, Don Woodard got saved. And by the way, this guy, Bernice's husband, got saved just before he died, about a few weeks before he died. Made, pretty good, made a good profession of his faith before he died. I think the credit of the salvation of that man was on her shoulders. And the same thing here with Irene Woodard. I used to shake Irene's hand and say, you're the, you're the most godly woman, one of the most godly women I've ever met. They're not going to let me in her side of heaven. They're going to say, Lytel cannot come this far. I'm thinking of Marge Carr. Many of you thought Dick Carr was a nice guy. He was when you knew him. Dick was a bad guy. And if he was up here, he'd tell you, Dick was a bad guy. He ran, I was a lineman for the county. That's what he did. He was a lineman. And uh, the song was free. <laughs> Immoral by his own testimony. Cheated on his wife left and right. 
She stuck with him as a godly woman. And old Dick Carr got saved. Most of you knew him when he was saved. Wonderful man, true to her, solid, ended the last 15, 20 years of their life doing right. My grandmother, my own grandmother, I tell, I've told you the story a few times, she had a drunkard for a husband, an immoral man for a husband. He cheated on her. And, uh, and by the way, no birth control back then. She had eight kids by that old boy. Because he was a drunkard, they were broke, poverty-stricken. Uh, the kids did not even have enough food to eat, my dad said. Many meals, they would have to go steal for food. The clothes were handed down. I mean, his stories were amazing to me, what he would told me he went through early on in his life. Just horrible house, horrible. Broke every rule. The old girl stuck with him. She got saved. He got saved. Both of them, 20 years, lived for Jesus, ended well. Let me just tell you something. It ain't over till it's over. Problem is we're calling it quits too early. We give up. I, I can't do you know, when you say, I can't do something, you're saying God can't do it. Because with Christ, all things are what? See, you know that when you say that, you lie because you don't believe it by your actions. If you say, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me, stop. Don't quote it unless you're willing to live it. Don't, tar- don't take the Bible and make yourself a liar. Because as soon as you start saying that, say, well, yeah, but if he did this, I'm gone, man. You just need to believe the Bible, practice the faith that you say you have, and, and just live it in a quiet, honest way, and God will bless you. The Christian woman wants to win her husband, and, and she can do it if she, if she practices and turns away from what this foolish woman is doing. Number four, a foolish woman is not a team player. I can't tell you enough the importance of being a woman, being a team player. A marriage is a, is a team. You got a coach, you got one player. You're a coach, you got, it is not 50-50. I had a, a girl in this church say, I want you to do my wedding. It's not Alicia. I had a girl at the church that said, I want you to do my wedding. But we believe, my husband and I, I love it when a, when a woman talks for the man as if he's too stupid to talk. Uh, well, he would agree with me because I'd tell him to. I put an X on that one. Marriage is not 50-50. You'll never find that in the Bible. It's 100 zero. He's the leader or he's not the leader? And he's not the leader just when he's right. And he's not the leader just when he's reasonable. He's not the leader according to your opinion. He is the leader by God. He's not the leader because he's smart, because you may be smarter than him. I've had a lot of women say, well, I'm the leader because he's dumb and I'm smart. I mean, that's basically the summation of the, of the uh, summation. I mean, that's a 10-minute thing down into one phrase. He's dumb, you're smart, you know better. He's, he's just too stupid to manage his finances. I do, and you know, and this goes back and forth. Woo! Remember, if you're a team player, you're contributing to build your house, 
not to pluck it down. You work like a dog, you keep your house clean, you cook good, you look as good as you can, you help him work, you fish with him, you hunt with him, you golf with him, you play tennis with him, you, you want to be with him, uh, he'll notice. He'll notice. I've seen it work. Other men will be jealous and tell him, man, I wish I had a wife like yours. That don't hurt a guy to hear once in a while, amen? It does not hurt you to hear some old boy come up to you and say, man, I, had a, I wish I had a wife like your wife. I hear it all the time. I hear about Kathy. I hear good people come to me regularly and say, man, Kathy this, Kathy that. And I say, what about me? And so we're trying to think of something positive, but right now it's just Kathy. He'll notice it. I know you girls get beat over the head with this stuff, but I'm not doing that tonight. This is Bible. I'm trying to just go through some points of what a foolish woman is. The next two, two weeks, we'll talk about the wonderful things of a virtuous woman. But, and I know you get beat over the head a little bit with Colossians 3.18, Ephesians 5.22, where it says, wives, submit yourselves. And, and you know, an old carnal husband, that's the first Bible verse he'll ever learn. Why? Doesn't the Bible say somewhere, wives, submit yourself to your husband? Well, shut up and sit down. Oh, you girls just want that almost gives you high blood pressure and you didn't have any. What do you think submission means? What do you think it means? Well, I looked it up. Thank you for asking. It means to be subordinate. It means to obey, be under obedience, put, under, subdue, uh, subject. In subjection, submit to. It's a pretty simple word. You say, yeah, if he agrees with me, or yeah, if he does what I want him to. It is not conditional. Children, obey your parents, right? Fifth commandment, unconditional. Submit to the coach. Now, Well, he's a coach, right? Submit to the coach. Submit to the coach. Um, now, I'm not telling you, I think the Bible is clear that to obey God, you obey God above everybody else. But when God tells you to submit to your husband, he knows what he's talking about. I believe if a husband asks a wife to do an immoral act or murder, you can say, you're going to have to shoot me and kill me. I'm staying married to you, but you're going to have to kill me because... That's disobeying God, and I can't do that. But you can't, you got to be careful there. But we need a coach. Every good marriage needs a coach, needs a leader. And a leader is encouraged by the player. Now, you folks have coached, you've coached. You know how discouraging it is when your team won't obey what you say. You tell them to go do that. They don't, I don't think he knows what he's doing. I'm not going to do it. Well, what kind of a team is that? You go around, the coach gets discouraged, and it gets discouraged. And maybe hunts for another player. The foolish woman, number five, is bitter. She's a bitter woman. She's an angry woman. She's a bitter woman. Written all over her face. Hebrews 12 says, follow peace with all men. Holiness without which no man shall see the Lord looking diligently. Lest any man fail the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled. It is so easy to get bitter. I can't tell you how many ladies I've talked to through the years 
are just, now I'm, not, I'm talking about people that are pillars in the church. People that can be pillars in the church are so bitter, so bitter. Not always husbands, but it's their, they carry bitterness. And that will just destroy you. It's something your mind, when you're bitter at something, it's something you focus on. My own mother struggled with this badly. It damages and destroys your, your relationships. Number six, a foolish woman's selfish. She could wear a t-shirt. It's all about me. Uh, her focus is, what can this marriage do for me? What can he do for me? How can he serve me? And he'll never be satisfied. Number seven, a foolish woman is often, because of these other six things, she's unfaithful. In Proverbs 7.13 says, she, she caught him and she kissed him with an impotent face, said in him, I have peace offerings with me this day. I prayed, I paid my vows, therefore I came forth to meet thee, diligently to seek thy face. I have found thee. It's given the verse 18. Come, let us take our fill of love unto the morning. Let us solace ourselves with loves for the good man, that's her husband, is not home. He has gone a long journey. Immorality and infidelity will crush the very foundation of a marriage. What is the glue? If you ask me, what is the glue of a marriage? It's fidelity. It's fidelity. Now, that's hard. That doesn't mean it's if the fidelity is destroyed. But I've just given you example after example where the fidelity had been destroyed over and over again. But the woman had just decided that they said until death to us part, for better or for worse, sickness and health, rich or poor. They believed that to be so. And they went to God and they cried their eyes out and they begged God to change him. And they kept doing that for, in the case of Irene, told me over 20 years that went on. 20 years. Again, I say, I wish I could see Irene today and where she's living, but they won't let me get there. Wow. But that was just a normal woman who trusted God. The world, does the world, if I preach this at a feminist gathering, they literally would lynch me with their nylons. They'd whip their nylons off wrap them around my neck and throw me up on the nearest tree and saying, this is why we hate Christians. You know, men love darkness rather than light because why? Their deeds were evil. Immorality and infidelity crushes the glue. Boy, there's nothing sweeter. My wife today on the way to church was saying good things about me, which I appreciate her doing that. She was saying, you know, I just, I just am so happy I may embellish this a little bit, but if I do, you know, you have to. I'm a preacher, you know, I mean, come on. Evangelistically speaking, I, she, she said to me, she said, uh, I'm so glad that you've been faithful to me all these years. And I said, I have. I have. And I'm so glad. It's a better way. It's not, I've, trust me, I've had, I've had opportunity to go the other way lots of time put right there. I've been offered. I've been asked. I've had opportunities open up. And boy, I thank God. There's something sweet 
There's something sweet about the Lord. There's something sweet about doing what he wants you to do. And the older you get, here's the beauty of it, the better it gets. My wife and I never worried about sexually transmitted diseases. A lot of people out there today are worried about sexually transmitted diseases. I think I, think I just read there's 235 of them now. When I was a kid, there was only 35 of them. Maybe there were 235, but they hadn't identified them all. But what now they've identified 235. There's so many of them that many of them work in conjunction with each other. And they say women will have seven or eight of them. They don't even know they have them because they're symptomless. But they attack the cervix, eventually giving them cervical cancer. I think HIV and AIDS was a curse from God Almighty on an immoral group of people. Trying to tell them, stop. Stop before it's too late where God loves us. I think STDs is God's mercy. Going, stop. 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 He's trying to slow them down, isn't he? Which woman are you tonight? Foolish woman? You say, Brother Bill, a couple of these, man, a couple of these bother me some. Man, I'd go to God and say, those are the areas I want to work on, God. Those are the areas I need your help on. Wouldn't surprise me. Wouldn't surprise me. Man, we're all flesh. We're all flesh. We all struggle with the old man. Oh, what a day that will be when the old man's gone. How about that? I don't talk about your husband now. I'm talking about the old nature. I got I to watch myself. The old nature. Won't it be a great day when the old nature's gone? I was mentioning a thought that I've had meditated for at least 30 plus years. That, and I, had, I, heard, I heard a professor one time somewhere, someday, somehow, mention the intimacy of heaven. <clears throat> I don't think that your marriage is as intimate as heaven's going to be. It would make sense to me that you're, you're going to be able to be more intimate in heaven without an evil nature than you would be able to be here. And I'm not talking about sex, because there'll be no sex in heaven, no marrying or giving a marriage. There's not going to be that. But you're going to be able to be intimate. Intimate to meaning knowing each other and to be able to share your heart with each other and to be, to be open with each other without fear taking that information and using it against you. Oh, heaven's going to be good. Heaven's going to be good. I'm telling you what, heaven's going to be good for Bernice Naudriff. Heaven's going to be good for Irene Woodard. Heaven's going to be good for those who said, I'm going to do what's right even if it's to the end of myself. Man, I tell you, I believe there's a God in heaven. And I believe when he sees that kind of spirit, when he sees the spirit of self-sacrifice, that he can change and he can influence your mate big time, big time. I know some of you had your mate leave you and you couldn't stop it. I mean, you can't stop it. We live in a society you can't stop it. And you tried to get it back. You did everything within your power to save it, and it didn't get saved, and they took off. I always say it does take two to stay married, and one can take off no matter what. And that's, a, that's a sad case. It's happened over and over again. But, brother, as much as lieth within me, I want to live peaceably among all men. How about my wife starting there? Amen? I'd resign this position in a heartbeat if my wife and I were having trouble. I don't mean getting divorced. I mean having trouble. 
If my wife and I were at each other, and can, I wouldn't play no game. I'd say to you folks, you know, uh, that I married a bad woman. I tried to convert her, but she didn't go for it, so I'm having to step down. No, I wouldn't. But I, I'd really, I'd just, I wouldn't do it. I think what happens to preachers is they get in a position, and, and, they, and really at home it's war, and, and there's hypocrisy, and, and they, don't, they don't, if they can't cure it, they keep preaching. And, and the devil picks up on that, and oh, has he heard the testimony. Who's he really heard the testimony of? Jesus Christ and the Word of God. Let me tell you, the old-time religion still works. Father, help us tonight. Give us wisdom from above. The Bible says, a foolish woman plucketh her house down with her own hands. Father, may there not be any foolish women in the sound of my voice. This is going to go out over the Internet. This is going to go all over the world, literally. Whatever, wherever wherever the, you may be as a woman, trust God. Do it His way. Obey Him. Read 1 Peter chapter 3. Put it to heart. Do what He asks you to do, and He'll help you. Father, maybe some in this room that's struggling in their marriages. Man, I've I've learned that old marriages struggle. Sometimes people have been married 60 years, fight like cats and dogs. God have mercy on us that that not be so, that there be a submission of one to the other. And And the wife would take her position, and a man would take his position, and they'd both take their position under you. There could be love and peace joy and the full fruit of the Spirit in the marriages of the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about Jesus and the subject preached on, please contact us at gospel at mygbcs.com or call us at 239-947-1285. God bless.